Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. We're going to be talking about the subject of emotions and preaching. And I wanted to start with a prayer and then some questions for the audience. Don't worry, you won't be captured on audio. Lord, I want to thank you so much for bringing these things to our attention. That we can worship you more fully and truthfully by conforming our emotions to what are pleasing to you and in in conformity to your will, we have a much fuller, much richer emotional life. And that makes us glad. We thank you once again, taking us through this information on how to express emotions, Biblically, soundly, knowing that they're emotionally correct and that you have beautiful emotions for us to model from. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a question here while I get ready. I've been to a number of churches. I belong to a number of churches. You don't think you're going to be when you're first saved, at least for me. I belonged to my first church for 11 years, and uh, I thought I would belong to that church forever. It was a great church. And now, modern day, I have belonged to uh, five, not including those I had frequented when I was an itinerant worker, looking for work around the country, let's say, wanting always to plug into the local church when you're searching for churches, when you're thinking about your church experience, your past churches, your pastors specifically, your lead preacher, teacher types, when you think about churches, how do you compare one to the other? I'll start by saying that my coming to Christ No, let's rephrase that. His coming to me, his choosing me and his reeling me and throwing me into his boat occurred with quite a rush of different emotions. And I'll never forget it to this day. And I've mentioned it before. I had experienced a weightlessness, a joy, 
contentment, a peace which definitely surpassed my understanding at that time to the point that I thought, and I've said this a million times, that I thought I had actually lost my mind or I was suffering some kind of breakdown. But those emotions I felt when I was saved were completely in contrast to what I should have been feeling at that time, given my current, in 1989, my current political, corporate, emotional, health, marital difficulties. So after a significant bout of weeping and on my knees and praying, I'm, dan- I'm, j- I'm dancing around. I'm jumping around. Uh, since that time, and it wasn't coming to the Lord. Many of you have been in a situation where you've come, God has given you faith, and because the gospel was preached in your life, as his word says, you heard the gospel and he used it to affect your salvation. But let's say that you were saved actually during an emotional rendering of the true gospel in spirit and truth. And so the day that the Lord saved you was an emotional day because of an emotional preaching of the word. I don't have that experience, but I've seen a number of people that say that. Back to my original question. How do you compare the churches you belong to? My mind goes to the preacher. Yes, there's church life. Yes, there is the things, missions that are involved. They're involved in our friendships you strike up. But when Kay and I talk about churches we belong to, we invariably start talking about the nature, the temperament, the personality, and the preaching of the main preacher. My first church, Pastor Sherman, he wasn't highly emotional. He was a great teacher, like a college professor, and he knew when to emphasize emotionally what he was talking about through the word. And so I started comparing other preachers and teachers, both the churches I belong to and through media, based upon Pastor Sherman, right? I started comparing other pastors I've had. And when I started grading, I guess, which is a really wrong term because God, I believe, led me, you know, led me sovereignly to each of the churches that I had been a member of. But each one differed, and when I make knowledge of the differences, they were all based upon the preaching, teaching ministry of that church through the pulpit and the temperament of the lead pastor. And then I consider the church life, and then I consider the ministries. How do you judge gauge, rank, the churches you've belonged to. We've got people here that have been in other churches or searching for other churches. Anybody have an idea? And even online, uh, people say, I like this pastor or this preacher, or I can't stand this person because they just don't talk to me. I like Vody Bauckham. I don't like Paul Washer. I like J. Vernon McGee. You know, I like um, Burke Parsons. What are, what are some of your input? I'll take a few comments at this point. So chapter 18 is the emotions and preaching. 
And we start out with a quote from C.H. Spurgeon. If the prophet leaves his heart behind him when he professes to speak in the name of God, what can he expect but that the ungodly around him will persuade themselves that there is nothing in his message and that his commission is a farce? Borkman says, preaching can often fall off one side of the horse or the other, either all light and no heat, or all heat and no light, meaning all revelation but no stimulation, or all stimulation and no revelation. God has ordained the preaching of his word to instruct our minds and move our emotions for greater godliness. Biblical preaching must be passionate if it is to live up to its name and do its job. Passionate biblical preaching, therefore, should be a means by which we further develop and cultivate godly emotions. So we're going to get into preaching in the Bible, the preaching in the Bible that was passionate preaching. Preaching must be passionate and earnest because its chief design is not only to inform but also to move. We begin with the preaching of the prophets. The prophets were preachers, and their preaching was filled with passion and imagery for the purpose of making an impression on the hearers. One of Hosea's sermons likens Yahweh to a lion who is ready to tear Judah to shreds and carry people, God's people away until in their affliction they seek his face. That's Hosea 5. Isaiah also overflows with vivid graphic language as he preaches the oracles of divine revelation to the people of God, appealing not only to the head but also to the emotions. The prophet Isaiah, his words of comfort and consolation also drip with emotion. We were very familiar with many of his verses. The promises of comfort come with gripping emotional power. We We refer to them all the time. We stitch them on our pillows and our quills. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Right? Isaiah 41.10. The prophets were not dry as dust heralds of God's revelation. They used emotional language, preached with vigor, and often demanded an emotional response. Is that wrong? John the Baptist was a man on a mission filled with fearlessness and power. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree that therefore does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Honestly, doctrine is definitely important, but not necessarily is it helpful for, let's say, a pastor to say, I tell you, the stones God can raise up, and then the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Okay, all right. I'm sorry, they both go together. The Lord Jesus also preached with passion and fervor. He also knew what it was to lift up his voice and call thirsty sinners to himself. In John 7, 37, 
On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. When necessary, Christ would use the prophetic edge, preaching the woes of judgment with scathing passion, as in Matthew 23. The apostles ministered in the same way. Paul exemplified the spirit of apostolic preaching when he wrote to the Corinthians, quote, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, 2 Corinthians 4. These men had been so gripped by the truth of the gospel that they had to speak. Take, for instance, Acts 4. Now, this preaching was nothing less than opening the very heart, their very hearts and hoping for the same emotional response from those who heard. So what happened in Acts, you remember. 2 Corinthians 6, 11-13. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. Whether it was the prophets or the apostles, John the Baptist or the Son of God, their preaching was marked by truth on fire. They communicated with passion and earnestness and expected the word to transform the whole person. Now, biblical preaching should also engage the emotions. Preaching is a gift that comes in different packages. Preaching that engages the emotions involves authentic passion and real emotion from the heart. We instinctively can tell when a man preaches what he really believes or is just saying things that people are supposed to believe. The testimony of preaching in biblical history has demonstrated that biblical preaching was passionate. Presbyterian pastor and educator Thomas Murphy wrote in his Pastoral Theology, To preach in a cold, unfeeling manner, to preach without earnestness, is sinful. It shows in the preacher a heart that is hard. Deep is the guilt of handling the word of God in an unfeeling manner. What? Speak coldly for God and for men's salvation? Can we, can we believe that our people must be converted? or condemned, and yet, can we speak in a drowsy tone? In the name of God, brethren, labor to awaken your hearts before you come to the pulpit. Charles Bridges, in the Christian ministry, wrote, The minister that does not manifestly put his heart into his sermon will never put his sermon into the hearts of his people. You can argue with the doctrinal stance of that particular quote. Here's Jonathan Edwards. If a minister has light without heat and entertains his auditory with a learned discourse, without a savor of the power of godliness or any appearance of fervency of spirit and zeal for God and the good of souls, he may gratify itching ears and fill the heads of his people with empty notions, but it will not be very likely to reach their hearts and save their souls. That you can't disagree with. I've noticed a change in our pastor's preaching. Having listened to his recorded sermons for years now, 
when he first started, you can tell that he'd come from a street preaching ministry as a street preacher. You remember. His voice was raised about just about everything. Oh, his inflection was pretty good. But he spoke up here, and you can still hear it now as he helps lead us in the reading of the scripture every week, the bold parts, you know. He's loud, but not loud for loud's sake. But it harkens me back to how he used to sermonize from up here. And things were a lot less nuanced, a lot more bold. Over the last couple of years, I've noticed when I'm uh, editing the audio tracks, I actually have to boost the amplification of the microphone because he speaks a little softer now than he used to. And I'm wondering sometimes, does he hear? Do the people in the back hear his words as much? But there is times when he definitely knows how to engage the word with the proper temperament and the proper force. He has adapted his speaking style from the street to the pulpit in a church for his flock, for the Lord's flock. I take that as a sign of God having a man who has the word, the gift of teaching the word, starting to become a fully functional, fully equipped pastor. Not just a street preacher, but a real pastor and a real pulpit presence. Biblical preaching should impact the emotions. If the preacher is filled with the spirit and gripped with the truth, he is likely to have an impact on the emotions of the listeners. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, preached in the power of the spirit, and this was the response. What was the response? You know it because we just covered it. What was the response? Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? These are all people that had that conversion experience that I didn't have. Now, when I cried out to God, I drew upon the knowledge, consciously or subconsciously, of a gospel message that somehow had gotten to me over the years of Catholic upbringing and uh, Christians I'd run across in my uh, agnostic life after Catholic upbringing, my Navy experience and otherwise, and my knowledge that I knew God existed. And I cried out to him, but not like these en masse had come to Christ because of what Peter was saying. What shall we do? Peter's message pierced through them with conviction and brought them to repentance. Paul's sermon in Pisidian Antioch had this result. Quote, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were a Pointed to eternal life, believed. That's in Acts 13. Paul's preaching in Thessalonica also made an impact. Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. How can you tell if somebody is fully convicted when they're speaking? By the way they're speaking, their emotions. 1 Thessalonians 1 5. Paul used intelligible words of truth when he preached the gospel, demanding a verdict from those who heard. Here's our friend Jonathan Edwards making a connection between the emotions of the preacher and the listeners and the importance of the emotional impact. God hath appointed a particular and lively application of his word to men in the preaching of it. 
as a fit means to affect sinners with the importance of the things of religion and their own misery and necessary of a remedy and the glory and sufficiency of a remedy provided and to stir up the pure minds of the saints and quicken their affections by often bringing the great things of religion to their remembrance. I am so much more emotionally moved by the word of God because now God has taken the blinders off my eyes and I see with the Spirit. I tell a pastor all the time, and all my pastors I have talked to about that. I say, you know what? I've been a Christian for so many years and I've not heard that about that particular scripture before. Or I've not heard it put that way. Oh my gosh, that just opened. And when you guys that are believers know the truth, and you're saying, well, he's just not making this up. Because when the truth hits you between the eyes, like, that's right. My gosh, I hadn't heard it in 30 years. I never heard that before, but that's right. And so how do we cultivate godly emotions through the preaching of God's word? First, and I love this, and I never even I never thought of this, Borgman. Thank you. First, we can prepare for the event, he says. God-centered, spirit-empowered, Christ-exalting, biblically-saturated preaching is an event. Unfortunately, the whole event thing gets thrown out of proportion when there are so many personalities knowing that it's an event. Their whole churches are set up to proclaim the event, making an event out of it, pre, post, and during. The personalities involved become as much a part of the event as the word. That's how you know something's going on. Prepare to meet and hear from God through the event of preaching. If we do not prepare mentally and spiritually for the event, we may shortchange ourselves. As we come to the preaching of the word, we must come with the firm conviction that Preaching is the authoritative proclamation of God's revelation in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work, In you believers, we should spend time in prayer. And I hear many of us do that. We do that. How often do you say, dear Lord, especially on the weekend, prepare our hearts for worship. Prepare our souls for receiving your word in spirit and in truth. Bless the lips of our preacher and our teachers. Ask God to draw near as the pastor feeds his flock. We should ask God to give us a hunger for the word. We should petition God to fill the pastor with the Holy Spirit. I know we do when the gentlemen meet during the second hymn in the back of the church, preparing for the sermon. That's exactly what we pray. Pray that you are right to receive the word. We need to receive the word with great care, as in Luke 8.18. We need to receive it with humility, as in Isaiah 66 and James 1. We need to be discerning, as in Acts 17. We need to receive the word with faith, and that's in Hebrews 4, 1 through 2. And with a view to faithful obedience. Sometimes when we hear the word, 
Comfort and confidence will fill our hearts because of the salvific work of Christ. There are times when the Holy Spirit will pierce our hearts through with conviction. And still other times, God's glory and greatness may evoke joy and gladness. On any given Sunday, there may be a combination of these and other emotions. May God help us not only to cultivate godly emotions in our worship, may he be pleased also to bless his word to us so that godly emotions are developed through biblical preaching. And so, Father, we thank you for bringing to mind not just the work of our teachers and preachers, but also how they determine and in what manner we receive your word, what should be our emotional disposition of that reception, continuing to let us know how much more to thank you for those preachers and teachers that you have put in our lives, because this is your faithfulness toward us who promised to complete the work you started in us years ago. Now, dear Lord, we are much more informed. Our emotions are much more aligned. We are looking much more to glorify you through a rightful display of the emotions which come from today's preaching and all days henceforth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.